Hey y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith America Podcast. This is volume 24, and ladies and gentlemen, it is college football eve. I'm chomping at the bit. I can't wait to get there. I'm going to South Bend, Indiana for Michigan Wolverines, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and I can't wait. One of the biggest games on the slate, though, in opening weekend is Auburn versus Washington down at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. And we had the great pleasure this week of chatting with Auburn quarterback Jarrett Stidham, a bona fide Heisman Trophy candidate, one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the SEC and in the country for that matter. Amazing young man, and his path to Auburn starting quarterback was long and winding and unique, and I just enjoyed so much his t- I took too much of his time, quite frankly. And hearing him discuss that path and discuss what it's like to be the quarterback at Auburn in a football impassioned crazed state like Alabama is both hilarious and insightful and awesome, and you guys are going to love it. I can't wait for you guys to hear my conversation with Jarrett. But before we get to Jarrett, I want to introduce you guys to Dollar Shave Club. No matter what you do in the bathroom to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. They have amazing shower stuff, hair products, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and of course, razors and shave supplies. My favorite item on the Dollar Shave Club menu is the shave butter. I love it so much. I wear them out. I ask them to send me more and more and more of it. Uh, I have real sensitive skin, and this stuff works so well. I have no razor burn. No irritation. The stuff is awesome. It's my favorite. And right now, you can get it. Right now, get ready with an amazing deal on any one of their starter sets. I recommend the Daily Essential Starter Set because I love the Amber Lavender Body Cleanser, but you can't go wrong with any of them. Head over to dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. Pick up your own Dollar Shave Club starter set for just 5 bucks. And after your starter set, products ship at a regular price. Make sure you check out their new video, too. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash smith, dollarshaveclub.com slash smith. Go right now. Trust me, I live on the road. They help me get ready and look my best so that I don't scare you guys to death in high definition on Sports Center and College Game Day. dollarshaveclub.com slash smith now. Now it's time for my wide-ranging, amazing conversation with Auburn quarterback Jarrett Stidham. What a pleasure to spend some time with Auburn quarterback Jarrett Stidham. Jarrett, you've had such a unique path to Auburn University quarterback, several stops along the way, some twists and turns. How would you encapsulate your path to now? You know, it's it's crazy to think about um, just because, like, like, like you said, I mean, I've had – I started out at one school, then I went to a junior college, played with some, played with some high school guys on the side, and then I came <laughs> here and, you know, had to kind of go through the entire process of it, but – you know, I, I wouldn't say it's it's anything you know less than a blessing. I mean, it's it's been a truly a blessing just to you know go through all of the adversity um, that I had to kind of overcome you know over the last couple of years. And um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade my situation for the world. Um, I really, really, truly believe that in my heart. And I think you know I wouldn't be here you know talking to you on the phone um, if I hadn't hadn't gone through all those things. So I, I mean, it's it's been a big blessing and you know something that I can really look look at you know throughout my life and you know say i came away from that you know adversity in a positive manner you noted the adversity give us some more perspective on that what would you consider to be that adversity i think there's a lot of different things you know looking back on it um when you talk about adversity but i I think the first one that comes to mind is you know I, i came off of a really strong freshman season at baylor and then you know the 2016 season I just sat I sat at home every Saturday and just watched everybody play. And I, I think that was probably one of the harder things on my end to kind of, you know, wrap my wrap my brain around because, you know, as a competitor, you want to be out there. You want to be com- competing against the the best teams in the country, you know, week in and week out and, you know, I I just didn't I didn't have that opportunity at that moment. I was just sitting there watching everybody play and not knowing exactly, you know, where my future was going to end up was was also a big a big part of the uh, adversity and you know I, I think like I said looking back on it, it everything worked itself out and you know I couldn't be happier you know where I am today really did have a great freshman run at Baylor and then the next thing you know you're leaving there we'll get into being at community college and all that in a minute but <laughs> why was it right for you to leave Baylor I think for for myself um, you, you know as much as I loved Baylor as much as I um, 
have loved going to school there and and you know obviously met my fiance there i met one of my absolute very best friends there you know there was a lot of really good pieces there in there in waco um but i i think you know at the end of the day um there was just a lot of uncertainty you know at that moment moving forward with the program and i just i felt like i could you know take you know my future and my you know, really my family's future you know in, into my own hands and and really make a, a decision for myself and my family and um, you know, really, you know, I was cool with, you know, the consequences, good or bad, as long as, you know, it was my decision. And so I think, you know, that's kind of, you know, why I did what I did and how everything happened. So you leave Baylor and you go to a nearby community college 10 or 12 miles away, whatever that is there in mm-hmm. Waco. What did you do while you're not playing college football that season? I love this story. I want to know what you learned about yourself when you're spinning it around the pond as a scout team quarterback at the high school level? Right. No, so <laughs> I, uh, so what I did was I was taking, I went to this uh, McLennan Community College, uh, go Highlanders for life, um, <laughs> but I went to the community <laughs> college and I just took uh, a full course of uh, just online classes. And so I figured, okay, if I, if I do online classes and, you know, set myself up to get my associate's degree, you know, it was kind of a a loophole in the system, the transferring system, so I could transfer somewhere right away and, and be able to play and all that, but I, uh, <laughs> I I got all online classes, and so it was really neat so where I could just do my online classes like every Monday and Tuesday and do them, you know, from like, you know, the morning to, the, to about lunch on Monday and then the morning to the lunch on Tuesday, and then I would have all my work done for the entire week. So it's really I had like like a five day weekend every single week, and so on top of that, it's pretty good was, living, Jarrett. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not. I mean, I would much <laughs> rather have been in you know in the system of college football, but sure. it is what it is. Um, but you know, on top of that, I would I was working out at uh, D one Waco um, four four days a week, um, doing strength conditioning um, from about seven to nine nine thirty every morning, and I was I was doing that, and then I, like I said, after that, I would go home, cook breakfast. Uh, do my do my classwork, and then in the afternoons I would go down to Waco Midway High School, and I would run their uh, the uh, varsity defense uh, scout team. Um, so I was giving them different looks, you know, for whatever offense they were going to play that week, and you know, throwing to kids that are you know 15, 16 years old. Um, and so and so I would do that, you know, three days a week, and then like I said, I would kind of have a kind of have a long weekend to where I could go. I would I would go hunt a lot. I'd go back home and hunt a lot. I would, uh, you know, just I'd watch my fiance. I'd play. I'd watch her play soccer. I, I would just kind of, you know, live, you know, a, a life that I, you know, I wouldn't be able to live, um, you know, if I was in the system of college football. So it was nice to, you know, do all of that. But you know, at the same time, I learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, work ethic. What'd you learn? What'd you learn about yourself? You know, I, I come from a place, you know, Stephenville, we, we pride ourselves on being blue-collar people, you know, just working hard for, for everything that we get. And that re- that really came came to the light, you know, in that moment. And I knew, I, I had no idea what the what the end result would be, but I knew if I just kept working, everything was going to work itself out. And, you know, I think something else that I learned a lot was, you know, how, how to love the people around me a little bit deeper. Um I know that's kind of sappy or whatever, but no, I, mean, I love that. It, it, yeah, it's it's true. I mean, just being around, you know, the the people that I love, and especially taking that year off, um, I was I was able to just be around them more. Um, you know, go go and do certain things with them that I, that I wouldn't get to do if I was in the system of college football. So, you know, those those are a couple of different things I learned about myself. And like like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for the world. So you've mentioned your fiance now a couple times, uh, Kennedy. She played mm-hmm. soccer at Baylor, correct? Yes, she she plays. This is her uh, this is her final season. Oh, uh, is still playing. So. Very good. Yes. All right. Now this is not a standard situation where you're proposing to your girlfriend because her old man is not just you know Joe Daddy over here. All right. <laughs> her old man is the CEO of the Houston Rockets. Tad Brown, all right? right. So how's this go down? How does how does he react when you call and you say, "Mr. Brown, I think it's time." Well, it was it was, it was funny. Um, 
and, and I, I love Tad. He's truly amazing. And, you know, the thing I love about him is he's about as down to earth as, as anybody I've ever met. Um, and, and that's, that's how he's raised his family, which is, which has been awesome. Uh, but on our, I guess on our break in May, um, one of my, one of my good buddies I was telling you about that I met at Baylor, we were in Waco when I was, I was there, uh, seeing Kennedy and, uh, we kind of, we kind of lied to Kennedy and told her that we were going to go out to his ranch and just, you know, fool around for, for the night or whatever and stay out there. And, and so he actually ended up taking me, uh, we drove down to Houston and, uh, dropped me off at, at the house and stuff. And, uh, which I, I had called Tad on the way down. I was like, Hey, I, I just need to come talk to you. And you know, he was making sure everything was okay. And I didn't know if he thought something was really wrong or what it, what it was, but <laughs> went down there and talked to him and, uh, had, had a great conversation. You know, he was all for it. Um, obviously had some expectations and, and that sort of thing, like any, any father would. Uh, but it, it was great. It was great. He's, like I said, a great, a great guy, a great friend, obviously, and kind of a great, uh, you know, father figure in my life. And so, it was uh it was a good situation to be in for sure, but I think it I think it all worked out. More nervous entering your first Iron Bowl or walking in that door to face her father with that question? Uh I honest I'm not gonna say either of those. I think the most nervous was actually getting down on one knee and proposing. I, I for whatever reason I can play in front of ninety thousand people and, and feel <laughs> feel okay for the most part, but it's funny people ask me you know they, they're like what what did you say to her whenever you got down and you know i have no idea i mean i completely blacked out <laughs> i still have you no blacked idea. out huh so yeah, you can't I, even I, give us a play-by-play bro I, I know it i know it it was uh it was pretty nerve-wracking to say the least <laughs> what comes with being the quarterback of the auburn tigers that you didn't expect man i i think and i i think it's hard for anybody to expect this but uh, you know, as a as a high school kid getting recruited, or you know, if you're transferring like myself, um, nothing can really prepare you for the uh, how would you say it? I wouldn't say the pressure of being the quarterback at a at a big time program like this, but just maybe the uh, maybe how much you know light that you that's put on you, how much influence you have. Um, which I you know I try to stay out of the light as much as possible, just because I'm I'm kind of a low key guy. But I, I think the the amount of influence that you have is is something that you can't really you can't really put into words until you're in the situation. And I, I think it's a great a great influence to have. Uh, you know, little kids looking up to you. Um, you know, just you know going around town talking to people, and you know, just the the appreciation that that people have uh, just for just for the football team and, and just for Auburn University. Is really cool, and you know, kind of you know, being the quarterback. I mean, sometimes you're you're put as the face of the program or whatever, and um, you know, I, I like again, I like to say kind of stay kind of low key, but I think it's I think it's hard to prepare yourself for that influence because again, the the SEC is it's a different animal. You know, I came from the Big Twelve into into the SEC, and it's just a different animal. And these fans, they love their Auburn football and. Uh, obviously, here in Alabama, it's a, it's a really big deal uh, between us and the team up north. So, it's a uh, it's a great influence to have, and it's something I try to embrace. And you know, something I, I really you know I try to put my foot down and you know try and be the best possible person I can be, and uh, and not change at all. The team up north that strikes me as fun. <laughs> is that a, that's that's a cuss word around there in Auburn? Isn't I, it? I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking about the influence that you have as the Auburn quarterback. Here are the facts, Jared. You're one of the most famous people in the state, all right, period. One of the most recognizable, one of the most famous, one of the most influential if you're the quarterback at Auburn University. I imagine you have some very odd fan interactions. What's the weirdest fan interaction you've had to date? I don't, I don't know if this is weird. I think it's kind of uh, it's different. Um, but there's, a, uh, there's one <laughs> fan in particular, and he's always at, like, fan day. Uh, he was at the uh, SEC media day. And he has a dog, and I think the dog's name is, like, Jake. Like, they call it Jake. I think the dog's name is Jake the Tiger or something like that. And he has painted his dog, like, orange and black, like orange with, like, black stripes, like a tiger. <laughs> and I don't I don't know what kind of dog it is. Uh, it's like a schnauzer or something. I don't know. But it's, I mean, it's kind of different. I mean, it's kind of cool. It's a guess. lot different. You, you painted your dog. I mean, hardcore fan, like I said. But, uh, 
I'd say that's probably one of the more unique experiences for sure. <laughs> you noted the difference between the Big 12 and the SEC. I want you to define that for me. Oh, man. I think, ooh, that's a, uh, a loaded question because there's a ton of differences. I think the main one that comes to my mind first is the uh, the fan bases. I think traditionally in the SEC, the fans, especially obviously here in the South, the fans are just more, um, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say more passionate about it. There's just a different passion. Um, towards it's their, their identity, Jared. You're right. No, I mean, it's people here, they live and breathe SEC yep. football. And, you know, the, the Big 12 – uh, obviously, they've got some really good basketball schools. Obviously, you know, traditionally, Texas and Oklahoma have been really, really good at football. So, I mean, it, there's kind of a, there's a different passion level, I think, between the fan bases. And then you want to talk about football. I think, um, yeah, as you know, because I'm going to you know, talk like a quarterback here, but uh, in, the, in the SEC, you see a lot more, you know, man-to-man coverage, whereas in the Big 12, uh, you see a lot more zone coverage. Um, you know, in the Big 12, they, they try to keep everything kind of in front of you because the offenses in the Big 12 are really spread out, uh, more air raid type of football. And, you know, in the SEC, a lot of more, you know, ground and pound, uh, you know, mono and mono kind of ball, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm, I, think, sure. I think those are the main, you know, football differences. And then obviously, like, you know, personnel-wise, you're going to have, you know, differences – from conference to conference and from team to team. So it's hard to talk about, you know, personnel. But I think just from a schematical uh, lens, I would definitely say that. Why was Auburn the right place for you? I think, I, I and again, it was, it was funny. That somebody was asking me this morning, you know, six years ago, a little kid from Stephenville, would you ever thought you would have ended up in Auburn? And I said, absolutely not. But, you know, I think I was meant to come here. And, you know, being here, these are my kind of people. And like, like I said, I'm a very family-oriented person. And, I mean, this may sound cliche because everybody says it, but the Auburn family is, is real. And everybody here loves everybody. And, like, one, once you're a part of the AU family, you never leave. Um, you, I mean, you're in it for life. And so I think... You know, I, I, and I didn't know that coming in, obviously, but I think over time, I think that's one of the coolest things about being in Auburn and, and graduating from Auburn and being a part of the Alumni Association now. I mean, just being a part of that family is, is one of the coolest feelings. Why did you go there in the first place? Well, I think, obviously, the, uh, the tradition here is, um, I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. And I think Coach Malzahn, I mean, his track record speaks for itself and I mean, he's had some really good quarterbacks you know play for him over the years you know dating all the way back to his high school days and I think you know just knowing that and you know knowing you know at the time the situation the quarterback situation you know I thought I thought I'd be able to come in and compete for the job and hopefully help the team uh you know immediately and um you know obviously had to had to grind it out and you know luckily I was you know able to be the starter last year and on all that good stuff, but like I said, I think just being around the little I got to be around the team uh, leading up to to me coming here, I think that was a big big influence on it. I mean, these guys here, I mean, I mean, and, and, and you can see it. I mean, we don't have a lot of off the field issues uh, with guys. We don't have, I mean, even during you know games last year, we don't have a lot of penalties and guys just being focused or, and tuned into what they're supposed to be doing on and off the field. And I think that was a big a big part of it. I wanted to be around a lot of guys that that took it seriously and 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 also were were just great people. And I think you know that's that's definitely something we have here. Last November was my first experience with the Iron Bowl. Uh, I was in Jordan Hare that night. I was completely floored. Uh, if it wasn't the loudest football stadium I've ever been in, it was right right there near the apex of that list. Mm-hmm. Magical night for you, I'm sure. You're one and zero, one and zero in the Iron Bowl. What do you remember most about that game, other than what the scoreboard said at zeros? Who? I mean, who? That's a uh, that's also a loaded question because I remember I kind of remember like it was yesterday. Um, as weird as that sounds, um, I think I think the the coolest thing to me about the Iron Bowl was not necessarily that game, like the actual game itself, but I think the week leading up to the game. So practicing that week before 
really stands out to me because why we knew we we knew as a team that we were like guys if we if we win this we're we're in the SEC championship and like we're we're one more step we're one step closer to our goal and so I think that was the coolest thing for us was just looking you know looking back on it just that week leading up to it I mean pra- from what I remember practice that week was flawless I mean we were so dialed in so tuned in to what we were supposed to be doing. And everybody knew exactly what we had to do in order to beat those guys. And I think that's the attitude we carried out through the, throughout that whole week. And I think it carried over to the game. And uh, like I said, I think that that week, starting from really Sunday after we we beat uh, Louisiana Monroe up until that next Saturday morning, I think that whole week was what really stands out to me. What's the long-term impact for you and your teammates who are returning to have been a group that beat both teams that played for a national championship and sat at home and watched them play for a national championship, a game that was decided in overtime. How do you – what do you take with you from that? I think right off the bat, the thing we, we take away is, you know, we can play right with both those teams. And obviously uh, we got the best of Georgia the first time. They got the best of us the second time. We obviously got the best of, of Alabama. But, you know, I, I think – if we play how we're how we're able to play, we can play right with anybody in the country. And obviously, it, it was very tough. I remember watching that game, and it was extremely tough to watch it, just because you know we 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 beat both of them, and it was uh, you know we obviously kind of laid an egg in the SEC championship, and you know we were we were that close to to making it to the playoff and getting to where we wanted to be. But I think you know obviously we were you know sad about you know not making it and whatnot but there was also a lot of positivity coming from it because we knew you know we're, we're right there we're right th- right there on the cusp of, of of getting there and you know that's something this off season that myself and the other leaders of the team have really been harping is you know just find that one little edge that we can that we can get to to get over that little hump and so like i said a lot of, a lot of positivity coming from it but uh, i think you know we can play with anybody in the country and uh you know like i said i'm i'm super excited about about this team and you know the this season moving forward obviously you'd be inextricably linked with alabama forever but i love the story about how you're inextricably linked with one of their best players damian harris mm-hmm. their running back who is one of my favorite people i've ever met right uh, one of the best young men i've had the pleasure to cover along with yourself uh i want you to tell the story of you two in peewee ball in nowhere kentucky right as members of the 49ers go yeah so and again i'm gonna i'm not gonna remember everything because i was i guess eight years old at the time but i remember damien and myself i was a quarterback he was the running back and the first the first thing i remember about being on the 49ers was i think we were second graders and i think we were second and third graders playing together and there was there was one day in practice we were doing hitting drills right and this big third grader, his dad was the head coach. He was like our star linebacker or whatever. He was just bigger than everybody. And me and him go up against each other. And, I mean, he Marty, he knocked the crap out of me. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember I got up and I was bawling like a baby to my dad. And, like, I was just like, I don't know about this. But then moving forward from that moment, I, I can't. Like, I had a different attitude about football. And I was, I was trying to uh, deliver the blow instead of, you know, taking the big hit. Uh, that's the first thing I remember. The the second thing I remember, and I, I think I, I was telling somebody this the other day, I remember us getting to the championship, and, and Damien's a stud. I mean, obviously he's a stud now, but back then he was I mean, incredible. To be eight years old and doing the things he was doing, it was unbelievable. But I remember we were in the, the Super Bowl. Uh, we were playing at Eastern, Eastern Kentucky University, um, and we were playing the Browns. And... Uh, I hand the ball off to Damien. I think we were backed up like on the one or two yard line. He takes it like ninety nine to the house. And from that moment, I was like, okay, this is this is the guy. Like this guy's going to be <laughs> a real dude, you know, for years to come. And that's that's probably the uh, the coolest memory I have of that season, uh, outside of taking that taking that hit. But uh, I mean, I, I knew from a young age that Damien was going to be a superstar, and, and sure enough, he's you know, been a superstar every year he's played since then. I love hearing his side of this story. His side of this story is I hated football. 
I didn't love contact. My helmet was too tight. All I wanted to do was drink water. And before that run, before that run that you're referencing, he's sitting on a bench drinking the waters, not feeling a hundred percent. He's got a he's got the flu or something, and down off the bench he comes to go ninety nine to the house. How I want to know what the I imagine you must have had a conversation with him before the Iron Bowl last year on the field, at least a pat on the butt, something. Mm-hmm. What was that exchange like? Because that's a long way from nowhere, Kentucky, brother. Right. No, and you know we've obviously you know kept kept up with each other throughout the years. We were able to play in the uh, Under Armour All American game together, and uh, I mean that was pretty pretty cool to just to see him play again and that sort of thing. But you know, leading up to the Iron Bowl, I think we had texted a little bit that week and. Um, just saying good luck is, I mean, I don't have any beef with him, obviously. I, I, I love Damien. I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he's, you know, he, he does everything that he ever wants to do in his life. And, you know, I think both of us were just kind of a, appreciative of the moment that we were in. And we we had played together when we were eight years old. Now we were, you know, 21 years old, playing in the biggest game of the college football year up to that point. And it was just kind of a surreal moment of, you know, hey, good luck. Like, we're here. Let's do it. Let's do this. You know, obviously competitive and our teams wanted to win, that kind of thing. And But at the end of the day, you know, just rooting for each other. Uh, you know, I think any time he would make a long run, I was like, dang. But, you know, I was like, you know, good for you, Damon, just because I love the guy. Sure. And, you know, I'm sure he's he was thinking the same thing. But, you know, I talked to him after the game, um, after I talked to, to Jalen Hurts and was just like, dude, good luck to you guys. I mean, I, I can't believe that we're in this kind of moment. And, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to forward to playing him again this year. A couple more things and I'll let you run. I want you to describe for me. So, so you're the quarterback of an established Texas high school program in Stephenville, right? What is Texas high school football like? Describe it for me. So I, I obviously, and I argue with everybody on our team uh, that Texas high school football is the best football. I think, I just think it is. I don't, I don't think. I mean, every, like you said, every, I mean, the saying goes is everything's bigger and better in Texas, and I and I believe that. <laughs> obviously, I'm biased, but the uh, I mean, I always bring up the reference of, of the movie Friday Night Lights, or or even the TV show Friday Night Lights, and I mean. I mean that is that is Texas high school football, at least in a small town like where I'm from. Now, like the inner city, big cities, Houston, Dallas, I can't really speak for, but for where I'm from, I mean, you look at, you know, Odessa Permian, and that's pretty much what Stephenville is. Um, we're obviously very traditional, very, uh, we're traditionally really, really good, and um, I mean, like I said, it's it's cool to come from a place like that. To where I mean we don't have a lot of a lot of a lot of money running through the town like so, some of these other towns uh, do, but I mean everybody just works hard for what they have, and uh, it's a small town, so everybody knows everybody. Um, you know the, the town practically closes down, you know Friday nights at uh, 6:30, so it's uh, it's it's a blessing coming from a place like that, just because it makes you appreciate you know things in a, in a different way and. Um, you know, just like like I said, looking back on it, I mean, I had to work hard. You know, being from Stephenville and uh, knowing the Stephenville way, and to get to where I am now, it's just it's really cool to see. And uh, I mean, it, it I would just love Stephenville. I'll, I will always be in debt to Stephenville. I can relate. I'm a lot older than you, probably twice <laughs> your age, something like that. But uh, I'm Buddy Garrity, dude. You talking about Friday night nights? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Uncle Rico. There you go. We won the '93 <laughs> state championship. <laughs> I can throw it over that mountain. I, I can definitely throw it over that mountain if Coach would have just put me in. But I just got done writing 4,500, 5,000 words on my high school football experience and how mm-hmm. even though it was all those years ago, 25 years ago, Friday is forever. And I grew up in Virginia. I didn't grow up in Texas like you did. But it is the identity of the entire region. If the boys are superior on Friday nights, the town is superior on Saturday morning. That's right. just the way it is. And Absolutely. That is a universal thread that weaves through the American culture. It just mm-hmm. is. And uh, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. You open with UW. Great program. Great team. 
established. How do you beat them? Uh, it's going to be a battle for sure. They are, like you said, extremely, extremely talented. Um, I mean, I expect them to do, obviously, great things this year. Uh, just hopefully not week one, obviously. But uh, I, I, they're going to be a great team. We're going to have to bring our A game, and I think they're going to have to bring their A game. Uh, you know, I got the chance to to meet Jake Browning uh, this uh, this summer at the uh, Manning Passing Academy. And first of all, super good dude. Um, I mean, he was, he's a guy that I would hang out with every day if I could. Uh, so I got to know him a little bit and just talking to him. And, you know, they're obviously super excited uh, about playing us. And obviously we're super excited about playing them. And, you know, I think I think it's just going to be a battle. Um, they got a great, if I want, I want to say, eight or nine defensive uh, starters coming back. And they're, they're, sol- they're a solid defense, and we expect to, to get their best. And um, obviously their offense speaks for themselves. But, um it, it's going to be it's going to be a fun game for sure. I, I'm glad that we open up with them. It's going to be a good a good test week one. You know, to the Manning Passing Academy, you also were a counselor counselor at Elite Eleven. Uh, mm-hmm. I imagine that was a hell of an educational summer for you. What'd you learn? Mm-hmm. Oh man, there. Anytime you get to sit down with Peyton and Eli Manning, I'm, I mean, I could talk to them for hours. I mean, what not, did not they even... say? What did you what What did you learn? I think the coolest thing I learned was. Peyton's Saturday Night Live skit, unbelievable. He went through the whole thing with us. It was super cool. <laughs> so he did uh, it no, right he, there? No, I mean, he he was telling us how it all went down and the steps that, you know, he took to to do it. I mean, it was hilarious. Uh, but but on a serious note, yeah, I think that, you know, obviously when you talk to, to Peyton and, and Eli and, and Archie Manning and, and Cooper Manning, the knowledge that they have of the game and just – the experience they had they have you know in the football world i mean it's it's second to none i mean name a more iconic football you know quarterback football family and i mean i I just can't think of one and so just being able to sit down talk to those guys ask them questions about anything and everything when it comes to football and i think one of the main things that stood out to me and, and probably a lot of the guys was you know the the amount of preparation that takes that it takes to to be great because I mean, obviously if you if you look at Peyton or Eli I mean you, you wouldn't think that they have much athleticism or you know they could throw it a mile or anything like that but again they're they're some some of the best to ever play and they talk so much about preparation and so you know this year I'm I'm trying to you know implement that more into my game you know than I did last year and just being more prepared, you know, doing more things to to know my opponent and to know, you know, my own offense and and, and that sort of thing. Uh, that was one of the main things that they kept harping on, and, and something I took away from it. Did he just did, did Peyton just stand up and start going, "Cut that meat, cut that meat"? <laughs> no, he he, he did start. He did just say Omaha probably like fourteen thousand times over and over and over again. <laughs> it was it was incredible. I mean, those guys. The the coolest thing about those guys, I'll tell you, Marty, is that, like I said, some of the greatest players to ever play the fo- the game of football. But you get them outside of football, and they are the most normal people ever. And that's what I love. They were just hanging out with the college guys, just talking to us, you know, having a good time, and and they're just super normal to be around. And, and that's what I appreciate a lot because, I mean, they they have every reason to you know, to, to kind of boast themselves and, and that sort of thing. But they, they don't do that. And, and, you know, you see some people that that are like that, but they were just as down-to-earth as you could ever, ever imagine. And, I, and that's something I truly appreciated about those guys. Last thing, how do you define a successful season? To define a successful season, um, I think you have to have goals. I think everything, really everything in life has to start with goals. And, obviously, we have we have goals as a team, and, I think if we can we can reach those goals, we're going to have a have a successful season. Now, I think there there are parts of a parts of the season that can be successful. Um, you know, whether if it's you know losing to LSU when you're up by 20, and then turning around and and beating two number one teams, you know, in three weeks and making the championship. I think that's being successful or having success, but it's not necessarily being successful. If that if that makes sense, there's a there's a fine line between the two. Um, but I think you know over the course of this of a season, uh, you, like I said, you'll find little successes here and there. Um, but 
hopefully those little successes will help you turn into being successful. That What's that sense. goal sheet look like right now for 2018? <laughs> I'm sorry, what would you say? What does that goal sheet look like right now for 2018? Well, our, our goal, and this is the goal every year for, for Auburn University, is is to, to win the SEC. And I think, obviously, you have to win the West, obviously, and that's how you get to the championship. But winning, winning the SEC championship is, is our sole focus, you know, right now. Honestly, right now, the, the, the goal is to beat Washington. But bigger picture, you know, SEC championship and then, you know, I think if you if you do that, everything after that kind of takes care of itself, and um, so that that's what we're focusing on. But you know, we we can't get to the SEC championship without you know beating Washington first. So we're we're definitely focused on Washington. Young man, I cannot thank you enough. I took too much of your time. I know oh, you're it. Good. I appreciate it. And uh, man, I can't wait to get down there and see you guys really soon. Good luck week one. Good luck throughout the year. And I can't wait to watch you spinning around the pond, brother. Awesome, Marty. I really appreciate you having me on. Yes, sir. Have a great one. Yes, sir. You too. What a great young man. Uh, I've really enjoyed covering him. I was at the Iron Bowl last year, as you heard there in the conversation, and seeing the smile on his face after Auburn beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl last year at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It was very telling to me. Obviously, that's a euphoric moment, but it was an arrival moment for Jarrett Stidham. It was, I found my place i found that intersection that I talk about with the coaches where where you're comfortable but not complacent. And now he's coming into this season with a lot of weapons at his disposal, with tenure, with experience. He's, he's done the SEC West gauntlet once already, and he won it for the record. He won that SEC West gauntlet. And I think this year, I think, uh, I think you're going to see a young man who's sitting in, uh, in New York as a Heisman finalist. Uh, he's a very good player uh, with great perspective on life. And what an awesome opportunity to spend that time with him. I wish him and the Tigers and Coach Malzahn well this week as they open the season against Coach Peterson and the Washington Huskies down in Atlanta. Now, I had a unique week, all right? And we're going to get into that in the Marty Party. What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Marty Party. So, I really did have an interesting week. Um, on Sunday evening, I, last Sunday evening, I flew to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and uh, had the opportunity on Monday morning to spend a bunch of time with Jim Harbaugh, discussing his tenure at Michigan, the impact thereof, those trips overseas that we took, uh, how badly he needs and wants to beat his rivals in the conference, what a tumultuous offseason it was in his conference, all of those things. And I've had a lot of conversations with Coach Harbaugh uh, in the last year. And this one was a different level of vulnerability and candor. I appreciated his perspective. I appreciated his honesty. I wondered, going into it, was he purposefully taking a lower profile this offseason as compared to the past three? I look forward to you guys hearing his answer to that on College Game Day next Saturday. Our conversation will air on Game Day. It'll air on Sports Center as we open the college football season uh, in South Bend for Notre Dame and Michigan. But the most fun that I had with him was once our kind of formal sit-down conversation ended, we went outside. I love to throw footballs around. Any of you guys who followed my career here in the last few years know how much I'm Uncle Rico, and I can throw it over that mountain if Coach Ragsdale just would have put me in the game. And I love to throw. And Coach Harbaugh, as you Michigan fans know, loves to throw. He does – you guys may not know this that aren't Michigan folks. He actually does all the wide receiver drills on pregame with the wide receivers. He throws them their passes. And I had the Penn State game last year in Happy Valley and watched him do it. And, I mean, he's wearing the gloves. He's got on the cleats. He's all in, man. Intense, frothy, snot bubbles, ready to go. And so I, he and I walked outside of the main indoor practice facility at Michigan to their brand-new outdoor practice area, a turf field outside. And we just start spinning it around a little bit and talking ball and life. And I said, Coach, I need you to analyze my throwing mechanics. Travis, I have to admit, son, he was extremely impressed with my throwing mechanics. 
I mean, he, it's all there. And I reminded him, I have four years of eligibility left. Just in case Shea Patterson or Brandon Peters or Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey, how about the fact that I know the entire lineup of Michigan quarterbacks? You think I've been around that program just a little bit? If I ever see it, you in one of those uniforms, I'm done producing this podcast with you, you, Marty. Think, Travis, how do you think you'll react being a, being an Ohio State Buckeye, knowing that I was wearing the Michigan maize and blue? I think that's where our friendship would end. We're going to have to find a new producer because I don't, I don't, I don't think I can handle that or deal with it and just. Understood. I can't Understood. do it. Sorry. And also, I don't want to see you get hurt. And if you play for them, odds are you're going to get sacked a lot. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting uh, November for you because I think this is, I think that, that Harbaugh and the Wolverines have a great opportunity to win the Big Ten this year. I think, uh, in my estimation, Shea Patterson is a major difference maker for that program. And uh, he's a seasoned player. He, too, as I was talking about with Jarrett Stidham, uh, he knows that SEC West gauntlet. He was successful therein. And uh, now he comes over to Michigan that has uh, an unbelievable group of skilled players at his disposal. So they're going to be really good. Another quarterback like Stidham, that unfortunate circumstance. Yeah, unfortunate circumstance at Ole Miss. I'm really happy for Patterson that he is immediately eligible. Travis, I know you're not. He deserves to be, though. I I didn't like it, but he deserves it. It's the right decision uh, that he is immediately eligible. Um, And I remember talking to him about it when we were in Paris. Uh, It it became public knowledge that he was going to be eligible while we were over there. And discussing that with him and seeing the relief and seeing the joy that he was going to get to participate immediately and get to compete for that job immediately. It's the right decision. I'm happy for him and I'm sure that uh, all of you, that you and all the Big Ten adversaries uh, would rather him have to wait a year, but uh, it's big for the Wolverines that he's ready right now and, and eligible right now. They're going to be really good. I'll go on the record right now and say I have Michigan as a college football playoff. Uh, we were asked on ESPN.com to choose our final four teams and Michigan is one of mine. Uh, I think they're that good. Uh, I think they're going to win the league, and we shall see whether or not I'm right. But I'm shaking my head right now. I understand why. Look, man, despite all the tumult in Columbus right now, I think that you, you, your Buckeyes are going to be really good. I think that Haskins is a very good player. He's a really good player, dynamic player. And the skilled players that are around him, uh, the, def- the defense is very good. And so, uh, and you know, look, man, uh, I really think that the Buckeyes are going to be three and zero when Urban comes back. I think you're right too. And I think look, November it's going to come. I, that game could be the deciding epic. game for the Big Ten East, it's, and who goes? It's going to be epic, man. Even though I do believe that James Franklin and the boys in Happy Valley are going to be really good. I love Trace McSorley. I, he's tougher than Woodpecker Lips. That kid will stand in there and he'll take a shot and he'll deliver a shot. And I think that they're going to be they're going to be really good. But you don't lose. Speaking of transcendent, transformational players, uh, if there ever was one, it's Saquon Barkley. Losing him is a major loss, and not just Barkley. Losing the wide receivers that they lost to, namely Deshaun Hamilton. I, I'm, I had the great inter- opportunity to interview him last year before that Michigan game, and I was floored. Um, extremely composed, great perspective. Uh, and that perspective also transcends beyond the field, helping raise his autistic brother. Uh, I just, I, I'm a huge fan of Hamilton and I already was. And then to see the way that he performed once I was really aware of who he was as a person, ball player, straight ball player and losing that on the perimeter hurts. Also losing Mike, so, Mike Gusecki in the middle, I think is a, yeah, a, he was an outlet valve for, uh, six, Trace. Eight, six, nine. Uh, really athletic. I mean, look what, what he did at the NFL combine blew me away. I mean, not only is he tall and athletic, but he's fast, man. Difference makers. Penn State lost a lot of difference makers. They lost Moorhead too, who was calling all those plays. Right. That's right. He's down in Starkville. So, uh, a lot to replace for James Franklin and Trace McSorley. I do think they're going to be pretty good, but, uh, I really think that, that, that Big Ten East championship is going to go through November and, that one's going to be going to be real, man. Uh, there's going to be so much intrigue around it because Harbaugh has to beat Urban. Uh, everything that's going on with with the Buckeyes right now, 
with the Zach Smith, Courtney Smith fallout. There's a lot going on there. So, anyway, I think we've gotten off on a little bit of a tangent in the Marty Party. We could talk ball all day. But I can't wait for you guys to see my conversation with Coach Harbaugh. It's uh, it's him unlike you've ever seen him. College game day this coming Saturday uh, from South Bend. And he goes in there as a guy who in 1986 went in there as a player and went 15 for 23 for 100-plus yards and a touchdown. And he beat Lou Holtz and the Fighting Irish 24 to 23. So he has that body of knowledge as a former player who lived that rivalry as a player, as a star player, so he can walk up to Shea Patterson and he can say, this is what to expect. It's going to be bonkers, man. And I can't wait. I am so – I am I can't believe I get the opportunity to cover that game. What an amazing blessing. Uh, I've never been there. It's my first time being there to see Touchdown Jesus and to experience those amazing fans in South Bend. And I'm going to go to Newt Rockney's grave because I want to see it. I did a story once on a gentleman who, on his own time, uh, takes care of Coach Rockney's grave. He mows it. He polishes it. And I can't wait to go over there and feel the spirits myself because I imagine that uh, Notre Dame Stadium is one of those places like Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, like Augusta National, where you feel the spirits. And I can't wait. And just for the record, you guys have to congratulate Travis because Travis is going to be in South Bend, Indiana as well. Travis is joining the College Game Day radio crew this year. Brother, congratulations. Uh, I know that means so much to you to have that opportunity. And uh, if you show up in a Notre Dame jersey, we're going to have to have a conversation. So here's the thing, though, Marty, is where I grew up, I'm very close to Notre Dame. And my second team that I hate the most, the Fighting Irish. <laughs> so the first game that I get to go to is the two teams that I hate. And I will be rooting for Notre Dame, though. I think, oddly enough, that's serendipitous. I think that's absolute perfection for you, sir. You need one of those jerseys that's cut in half, you know, that's half Michigan, half Notre Dame, and then you can just, like, put a, a big buckeye right on the lapel of the jersey, and then you, uh, you know, you prance around in that thing. Well, that if you remember, what did I wear out the one night when we were at SEC Media Days and we went out for dinner? Where did I mean, listen to this guy, y'all. What a troll. I wore a high state downtown shirt. Downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, going to eat dinner, and it's McGee and me and Ben Hartsock, the former tight end for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and Travis. And we're right in the heart of SEC country with SEC coaches and players scurrying around everywhere. And this guy has on an Ohio State t-shirt. Big and red and gaudy and loud, the Ohio State on his chest. That's what we do. That's what you do. You'll probably end up wearing that to South Bend, too. All right, well, thank you guys for uh, listening to my conversation with Jarrett Stidham. Thank you for listening to Travis and I ramble about opening weekend of college football and my conversation with Jim Harbaugh. But now it's time for what you've all been waiting for, the Hillbilly Hotline. Words, sayings, or just a way of life? Roman Candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. (laughs) This is Hillbillyisms. This is Justin down here in Jason Aldean country. Uh, just driving around in South Georgia, and I figured I'd tell you a story, and it includes the bar that Jason Aldean used to sing at before he got all famous. I was working at Kroger, and a group of guys came in. This is about 97, and a group of guys came in, and I guess they were up to no good, and you know, there was a cop following them around. Well, I guess they thought that uh, I told on them or something, and they jumped me in the parking lot when I went to go to break. Well, I was all tore up, bloody nose and busted up lip and, you know, uh, just nasty. And so the, the older folks at Kroger, when we got off, they were going to sneak me into a bar called Whiskey River where Jason used to sing. I'd never dipped or smoked anything or drank or anything. I'm 17 and uh, I go in there and they're feeding me shots and I'm walking by a pool table so drunk that, you know, I'm telling myself, don't touch anybody's balls, don't touch your balls. I grab a ball, take off running and they're chasing me and I 
I'd go in the bathroom, there's a guy in there selling cigars, and, oh, I, I'm going to try a cigar, so I'd buy a cigar, and that kind of messes That's me right. up, and then this old guy, he's got some worm dirt, some Copenhagen, and uh, <laughs> he gives me a dip, and next thing I know after the dip, I wake up in my car about 40 miles from the bar in a new change of clothes, windows down, raining on me. Had no idea what happened to me. Lost the clothes that I had on the night before. And uh, went home to try to sleep it off at my dad's. And uh, he tried to get me to cut the grass. So I went over to my mom's house and passed out for the rest of the day. But uh, it just goes to show, you know, you can't handle everything at once. And I uh, hope you find it entertaining. Uh, give me a holler sometime. Well... Uh, it sounds like he had quite an indoctrination into debauchery. Uh, 17 years old gets, uh, shoveled into the Whiskey River by the old folks because he got beat up in the parking lot. I mean, Travis, that sounds like a real bad country song to me. What do you think? That, the best part was the worm dirt. Worm dirt. I don't uh, think I've, I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody refer to it as that. Only thing I've heard is, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've actually heard there's a dessert. There is a, a, a dessert that my kids get at, at a bar over here in Charlotte. And they call it worm dirt. It's like ice cream with gummy worms and sprinkled crushed up Oreos. Oh yeah, it's the best. I've had that worm before. Dirt. But I've never yeah. heard, I've, I've never, never referred heard to it as for dip. Yep. Yeah, I've never heard dip uh, be called worm dirt, but I'm going to incorporate that in my repertoire. So I appreciate Justin. Uh, he's improved my vernacular. He's expanded my vocabulary with the, I, I guess that worm dirt would be a euphemism for dip. We're going to call it that. Uh, I'm not really exactly sure what a euphemism is, but uh, that's what I'm going to consider worm dirt. How mad do you think they were when they uh, when he picked up the pool ball and ran? How how did he get? He never did mention how he got 40 miles away, right? No, but he had a change he of just, cl- he had a change of clothes, and I have a feeling like a buddy drove him or something. Because how did he get the like the clothes? And imagine the hangover when you you've had your first few shots for the first time and a dip, dude. You're done. Sorry, boss. I've We're going to have to call him next I've week. got his number. We'll text him. We'll get an update because I think we need that. I mean, God bless you, Justin. Uh, 1997. I mean, shouts out Jason Aldean for playing. I mean, I don't even know what Jason Aldean had to do with that except for Jason Aldean's probably the most famous person from his hometown. Thank you so much to Jarrett Stidham for giving us all that time and insight. Again, good luck to him and the Tigers this weekend as they open the 2018 season. Thanks so much to Dollar Shave Club for supporting the Marty Smith's America podcast. Travis, thanks so much for your hard work. I appreciate you, brother. Louise, thanks for being crazy enough to let us do this. Thank you so much to you guys. Your investment matters. Please subscribe, rate, and review. I say it every week. I know it seems trivial, but it's really important to our podcast if you'll do that for us. Subscribe to Marty Smith's America. Rate it and review it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for doing that. Thank you so much to our military domestically and all around the world keeping us free we live in the greatest country in the world for a reason god bless y'all we'll see you next week and real quick before i get out of here i want you guys to do me a favor check out sec network on thursday evening uh mcgee and i are actually ryan mcgee and i are getting our own show uh there's gonna be marty and mcgee tv now every thursday evening on sec network we don't know the people they've lost their minds they've gone crazy putting us on television to let us do marty and mcgee we're thrilled we will debut and just discuss it briefly during halftime of the Texas A&M opener on Thursday evening on SEC Network. And the show debuts on September 6th. Uh, we don't know exactly what time yet. It'll be in the evening on SEC Network, September 6th, Marty and McGee TV. Holy smokes, y'all. We got them snowed. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you, guys. We appreciate you. Have an awesome week. College football's here, baby.